Hello and welcome to the week 12 edition of Spitball. I'm your host, Adri Bullhawk Mallows, and with me as always, Marcus, I am Fantasy Football Henson. How are you, buddy? Yeah, not bad, thank you. Very good, thanks. Good, good. I'm going to start up this week with something a little different. I'm going to start off with a listener email. Ooh, lovely. And this is from Mark Taylor from Letchworth, who is a Dolphins fan. Not that I'm going to hold that against him. Uh, and he says hi fellas in episode 10 of Spitball it was brought up in conversation that Doug Martin was a basketball player before his career in the NFL it led to your good self Marcus saying that because of the agility and rhythm of a professional athlete it would be easy for a transition between sport and dance he begs to differ he remembers watching the making of the video for Michael Jackson's jam where Michael Jackson was attempting and failing to teach Michael Jordan to dance during this footage, Michael Jordan quoted, I am an NBA player, man. I've got no rhythm. If the guy who has the agility and grace to be able to fly like that can't dance, how can we have the comparison that Doug Martin can? Basketball player? I, didn't think he was, I thought he was a breakdancer. No, he said he was a breakdancer. I think yeah. he also said he was a basketball player. Oh, right, okay. No, I, I'd heard the rumour of the breakdancer. I didn't realise he was a basketball player. So, uh, that doesn't surprise me, though. Uh, I, I think everyone... There are some people... I mean, one person who's really sort of shown the uh, athletic side of um, of the US sports program. I think that's something we really lack in the UK. Um, someone like Colin Kaepernick, you see what the guy can do. You look at his size, his stature, it shouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think how quick he can run, how how precise and how you look at the speed in which he puts in pre- the precision on the, on the balls he's throwing. It's absolutely, you know, the evasion, the awareness, there's, there's, there's stuff there that can be taught and there's other stuff there that is just natural talent and I think someone like Doug Martin as well, the elusiveness, the, the way he finds the, the holes in the defence and then just abuses that by um, hitting the jets through them to pick up those big gains, making himself aware. He's, I've seen him take a lot of hits with blocking as well, good yeah. little blocking back. Yeah, so I think some of it's taught, I think some of it's just the guy's got so much natural talent, it's just pouring out of him. He's a bit of a bowling ball as well from yeah. what I've seen, because even though he looks quite slender, there's a lot of power in those legs, and he just seems to cream out those extra one, two yards every time. Finishing the runoff, I believe they call it. Yeah, no, definitely, to, uh, dragging defenders with him. Absolutely. And we have another uh, message as well from Michael Hogg of Aylesbury, who's a Washington Redskins fan, um, mentioned this week that we perhaps haven't been mentioning enough of... Robert Griffin III, either on the podcast or myself on the blog. So, ah. with that in mind, I think that leads us nicely into one of the Thanksgiving Day games. And happy Thanksgiving again to everyone in America. The Redskins versus the Cowboys. The Thanksgiving game, isn't it? Yes, Cowboys versus the Indians, yes. And what were your thoughts? I I must admit, I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, it was one, I mean, it's definitely one of the better games of actually the week, really. I mean, the dominance of which... Both both quarterbacks came out firing. I mean, Des Bryant. I mean, wow, how has he switched on in the last couple of weeks? Really coming on and progressing, but yet still managing to sneak out a cheeky fumble in those games as well. Well, that's the problem, isn't it? That's what he needs to uh, seriously work on. Same with Tony Romo and the the, the ball protection, the the slight awareness when um, the blitz was going coming on. Simply a lot of I don't know. There was a slowness to react to it. Yeah, led to a lot of problems. Quite a few sacks. And let's not forget that that second quarter, the Cowboys up 3-0 going into the second quarter, and then up steps Robert Griffin III, had an amazing quarter, eight completed eight of eight, eight passes, 178 yards, three touchdowns, 
one of which I'm not sure if it was Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, but before he threw the pass, they were talking about how there was another kid, Robinson, the receiver, who's also from Texas, making yeah, his homecoming, I loved saying how quick he was, saying they'd spoken to Shanahan and wondering why he got drafted in the sixth round, bearing in mind how quick he is on the ensuing play, play action, deep ball Bang. to Robinson, yes, like was. forty, fifty yard pass. It, that's it, what you. That's kind of common through that right there. It, it was. It sort of just lined up, and you were sitting there going, "Am I watching a Hollywood movie, really?" Because that's sort of how it worked. But it was kind of weird how um, how the game sort of maintained itself. As in, you looked at the Redskins, completely dominant in second and fourth quarters. Yet in first and third, you look at their numbers per average yeah. and the way they were holding on to the ball. It seemed like um, it just seemed second and second and fourth quarter. You saw the proper proper potential that's the word I wanted potential of the Redskins offence yeah also the defence the aggression aggression yeah and London Fletcher still putting in I think there was a play I'm not sure I'm sure it was this week against the Cowboys where it must have been first quarter where the receiver caught it in the back of the end zone was it Miles Austin in the back of the end zone Miles Austin in the back of the end zone Fletcher just absolutely shoulder down bang straight into Austin yeah knock out the ball stop the touchdown pretty much I mean Austin Ball just gently touches his hand, and you know, without any interference, he's he's bringing both feet down just into tippy toe on the back there. But London Fletcher sitting there having none of it, just forces him straight out, forces the ball out, no conclusion whatsoever, and nasty landing um, back down to earth. For, yeah, uh, for Miles Austin, really. Yeah, London Fletcher's one of those players. He's been in the league that long. He's probably one of the l- last players I think you'd want to get hit by. It. I'd say I would put him up there. I don't think he gets as much coverage as, say, someone like Mr. Ray Lewis. No. But I think he's certainly up there as one of the elite middle linebackers of the game at the moment. Yes, I mean, it's the way you watched it. When they brought it back onto the, the overhead cam and you saw the way you could see he was in an underzone, yet he kind of, you saw, with no um, no running back or sort of tight end slipping under the coverage, you could see that in his brain he turns around, judges Miles Austin, sees that his guy needs a bit of help with Miles Austin, breaks off his route confident enough to know that there isn't going to be anyone then coming to what his zone was and then just bang, deliver their hit. That is something that you just sit there and you know, that's going to take so many years in the league to develop that that second... The instinct. Yeah. Second nature. You just know, didn't you know, think about it. You know your zone is going to be safe. You know you've seen this play before possibly. You remember seeing it maybe once last year they run it but it ticked back and you're, you're sitting there going I'm not going to get fooled by that play again and you know what he was not he read that he was in Tony Romo's head then absolutely and then another thing of note from that game again they were talking about it on the commentary but during the bye week the Redskins players voted Robert Griffin III as one of their team captains bearing in mind this is only what 10 weeks into his rookie season what an achievement to be um, promoted to a team captain at this stage I mean yeah I have never heard any sort of um in a locker room sort of speeches by him I haven't really heard of him much within um, talking to the press or being one of these big gallant guys who step forward and waves the flag sort of loudly but obviously whatever he is doing quietly as it is he is really inspired a, a quite ranging I mean you've got some proper veterans in there like I said London Fletcher um, you've got Hall in, in the, uh, the secondary. secondary, you've yeah. got Moss who's a, a much veteran receiver, Garçon's been around a couple of years now, you know, um, There's uh, he's got other people in the form of that uh, offensive line, there's a couple of um, grey beards starting to show on that offensive line. Yeah. 
So it's it's not like he's on a rookie team and he's sort of like he's he's the um the preacher to the choir. He's literally he's come in and this is a, a team full of people who know what they're doing, who've been around, and this youngsters come in and yet managed to 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 fill them with enough confidence that they want him to be steering their ship. Yeah, and we'll come towards this more at the end of the season, but obviously you look back at the season, or we will do sort of week seventeen eighteen time when you think you may be comeback players of the year. Santana Moss a candidate at this stage? Yeah, I mean, what do you call it? It was uh, difficult for him. Was it an injury that sort of led him out for a, a, a quite substantial bit? At the back end of last season. Yeah. Really. Yeah, and I think also this year at the start of camp, was, I think it was, he got told to lose 10 or 15 pounds, didn't he? Yeah, because he started the first one or two games, because I remember seeing his name, and then there was a big blank, sort of a six-game blank. And then he sort of come back and he's managed to progress himself back into a couple of big games. And obviously he's gained the confidence because he did actually drop down to, I believe, third receiver third, on yeah, third yeah. receiver on the the depth chart behind uh, the likes of Garcon. Now, yes, Garcon did go out injured, and Morgan just for some reason decided to be more of a reckless um, teenager, acting like one of them rather than actually you know costing, to my mind, two games. Yeah, there was the game um, against the Saints, wasn't it, with the penalty. Uh, and the then the Rams. Yeah. yeah. So there's two games he's cost this year because he's acting um, acting out. So therefore he kind of did step up. And again, that's the veteranship showing there. But again, whether there's been a rapport between those two, there's that's a connection that I don't think many people would have seen at the beginning of the year. But it's uh, if you're a Redskins fan, is is going to be a most welcome one. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, thinking of towards the end of the season. We're getting to that point now where people are starting to vote for the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. Obviously, all of the votes are up now on NFL.com. With the Pro Bowl, to me, I'm still a little bit sad that it happens before the Super Bowl. I know I've mentioned this before to yourself and, and to a few other people. Just purely because the whole point of the Pro Bowl is the one chance the fans get to have their say. And what we're saying is, these are the players we've really enjoyed this season. These have really stood up. But if they've stood up that well they're going to make it to the Super Bowl, so they're not going to then be included in the Pro Bowl, which is what we we want to see. We want to see them in the Pro Bowl, which is why we voted. Um, that aside, because I could go on all day about that one, Yeah. have you got any thoughts about early candidates for the Pro Bowl? Uh, speaking of, we just spoke of RG3, I'd like to see him make it, because I think he's been very well. I think Andrew Luck as well is another one of the rookies that I think deserves to go to the Pro Bowl at this, at this stage. Yeah. I think he's he's managed to do enough to control the game, to adjust to the NFL um, pace. Um, Doug Martin, I would imagine, Doug would Martin be up there is another well. one that I really like. Um, I'd also like to see uh, Stephen Ridley. New England Patriots New England back, Patriots yeah. yeah he's really sort of come out as well and I've really liked enjoying watching him this season not just because he's in my fantasy team but it's, he's actually been one of those rookies where again he hasn't been a big you know first rounder that everyone's been screaming and shouting about he's just uh, come in and been able to sort of just do what he does and he's averaging out I think it was something like they worked out about 80 yards a game he's averaging out and we is- have to put that I think on Belichick as well because obviously they're looking for a lot more control of the ball this year because maybe they're not as confident in their defence they're looking to have more time of time possession, getting Ridley to run the ball rather than rela- relying on Brady to throw it all the time, which effectively stops the clock when he doesn't complete the pass. Uh, yes, I think the other thing I think Belichick realised was the, and we've seen it this year, um, the health aspect of his receiving core. I mean, there's been a lot of injury re- woes this year. A yeah, lot I think of them. Wes Welker in particular seems to have been on question, questionable Gronk, or probable all Hernandez, season. Hernandez, yeah. Edelman, 
Um, Lloyd had a, a bit, uh, he suffered a little bit at the beginning of the season, but he, apart from that, he's been probably the only one who's been a staple where he's been able to stay healthy for the most consistent period of time. Yeah, and of course, well, it's the freak accident, isn't it, that happened to Gronkowski? Well, say accident, but anything can happen when on any given NFL player. Oh, yeah. While extra points may be probably the safest place for you to be on the field, that's how he end- Gronkowski ended up breaking his arm, I believe. It is one of those things, you know. NFL isn't a soft sport, you know. Every single play is fought hard, and um, especially when you're you're playing on the highest level, as is the NFL, mm-hmm. it's played even harder. You got the biggest, meanest guys, you know. Progress, they work hard to play in the NFL. Ergo, you're gonna be facing the biggest, meanest guys. Yeah, so I think we've got a couple more there, haven't we? Potentially Gronkowski, depending on health. Yeah. Tom Brady. Um, oh yeah. Apart from sort of the rookies that we've mentioned, are, are there any other quarterbacks you can think that have stood out? Uh, quarterbacks this year, I'd say um, I've really liked Matt Ryan this year. I think there's been a couple of problems where he's had a few games that have had a wobbler, but apart from that, you have to say that with his uh, the the Atlanta Falcons record, he has helped a lot of those games to become wins. Yeah, there's been a lot of games where they've been a bit shaky, like against Oakland, for example, mm. where he's just pulled them from drives from deep inside his own half, sort of like five yard line. I think he started on didn't he against the Raiders? For there example, was one so. where I think the game winning one was very deep. Though, again, it was lucky that wasn't intercepted. But, um, yeah, he's been very good this year. And I have to say, the biggest name I would like to see um, go to the Pro Bowl this year has to be Peyton Manning. I yeah. think he's, he's, the consistency coming back off of that um, that neck surgery where everyone was just like, is he ever going to suit up again? It's amazing. It's outstanding. I think the guy is still um, should be always considered as a, um, a consistent veteran um, remarkable quarterback in this league. Brilliant. And what about on the defensive side? Is there anyone you can think of that springs to mind now? Um, part of me thinking maybe Cortland Finnegan could be. Cortland Finnegan has been a great pickup for the Rams. I think he's really helped that as well with uh, Jeff Fisher um, bringing a defensive look. I think the Rams have got a great new look this year. Um, the biggest uh, person, the first name that comes to mind on defense is Mr. JJ Swatt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, JJ. What he's redefining that defensive oh, end position isn't he not awesome. only with the amount of sacks he's making but the fact the, the transition he's making to knowing when he can get there for the sack and obviously with his nickname as it implies JJ Swat <laughs> because he's always getting up at the line of scrimmage and swatting the ball down when he can't get to the quarterback yeah another name I think a lot of people won't think of this one but especially with this week looking back through a lot of candidates for our Ray Lewis award which we'll talk about later uh, is Joe Hayden of um, Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. Browns. Yeah, you mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. I think he actually he either made second place to all your Ray Lewis awards. Yeah, he started he? the season as a bit of a bad boy. He he, he broke the uh, the league rules. Some banned substance, like he was putting something that he shouldn't have in his protein shake. Nothing like proper badly doping, but maybe just a bit too much of a booster or something like that. I I haven't, I haven't delved completely into it, but it seemed to be that. Whatever it was, seemed to um, get his head straightened out, and he had a great game coming back from the the ban. And he seems to be the guy Cleveland always put on, Mister Receiver. And he said the number one receiver, number one position. Yeah. So really, he has he's had to step up to the sort of the staple of the sort of Revis tag. Of uh, and I think he's done a pretty damn good job. Yeah, he had a pick. Didn't he have a pick at the end of the game against Pittsburgh this week? Yeah, sort just of to sh- ice the game. Just yeah, sort of ice it out. But not only that, you know, he had uh, Wallace basically all game, and literally, you, I think he caught one, two catches. 
I mean, it, it, it did help that he had Batch throwing to him. I mean, ultimately, we're, we're not going to say that with Ben throwing at the same time. But at the same time, you, you have to sit there and go, the guy kept him in check. He didn't become suddenly a receiver that Batch could then use as that outlet and then hopefully gain a bit of momentum with. So I think the guy's got promise, and I think in someone like the Cleveland Browns, he does tend to shine a little bit brighter because maybe the whole team is just you know running a little bit duller these days due to the, the lack of results they want. Yeah. But still, I think you shouldn't take any way of, anything away from the man. He's had a really good year. Yeah, there's a player I would like to see in the Pro Bowl, and I only have to look at you for you to know who I'm going to mention, and it is CJ Spiller. Ah, <laughs> see, yeah, well, of course. I mean, it's been unfortunate that Jackson's been injured so much this year. Um, yes and no. I think it's more unfortunate for Spiller that Jackson has been mildly healthy <laughs> because when Jackson's sort of 70-80% fit, he's going to come in and, as I've said before, Gailey will split them yeah. two series each, which when Spiller's playing as well as he is and Jackson's not 100% fit, much so I love Jackson, Spiller needs to be playing and it seems to be the general feel. I think he's he's showed the last two years I think he is a Pro Bowl calibre running back. I think, to be honest, he's number one calibre running back. I think um, if a contract extension doesn't come up or if, if he needs to find a new home for himself at some point when he wants to have number one time, I think there's a few places that could potentially Arizona need a number one running back with uh, Beanie Wells being so injured and uh, Stephen yeah. Howlings isn't quite he isn't a one back, if you know what I mean. No, I think that show that has showed, doesn't it? I think with Beanie Wells coming back, it definitely improved their running game a lot this week. Yes, I mean, it definitely did. Other people I can think of sort of looking possibly would be uh, people like San Diego, because I don't think Ryan Matthews is a, a single back. I don't think he can just carry the entire load. You know, there's a few places out there that could do with a really good, if they wanted a number one running back. Could you imagine Darren McFadden and CJ Spiller at Oakland? I could, because basically the problem is they've got Marcel Reese as um, his backup at the moment. Yep. And Darren McFadden is pretty much guaranteed to only play about, at most, 10 games a season. Yeah. Because literally, I know it's like, yes, he, he still sits there and goes, he's working on creating this body, as he says, to, to be able to play a full season. That's his ultimate goal. And then, as he says, if he can get a full season under his belt, then he thinks that Raiders can go and do magical things. Well, it's going to take a lot more than just, you know, Darren McFadden being healthy for an entire year for... Oakland to do magical things also unicorns have to exist and pigs must fly but I think it could be the fact that Spiller I think there's a lot on the west coast actually like I said you've got um, Arizona Kansas City to be honest because Peyton Hillis of course came out to be their number one back they've got Jamal Charles but I think uh, I don't think he'll re-sign this year uh, I just don't see him wanting to stay in Kansas City no that's that's a fair I point I think Jamal Charles has made enough of his name for himself to actually go out and find himself a new home as well because he's going to be wanting to win games although they do have that really good uh, that backup for him as well I can't think of their drones yeah or dr- not drones is it drones I think it is ri- yeah, it's it's spelt with the D R. It's yeah, it's a weird. Yeah. Co- yeah, but that guy. So they've got a really nice sort of split system. He tends to be a lot of more of a swing back though that they play out through. Uh, Just get him on the screens. Screens. Thank yeah. you. That's <laughs> what I was thinking of. Oh Jesus. No, well, just quickly before we move on to the usual awards, just want to mention two players that I think also for Pro Bowl. Calvin Johnson. Yes. Despite the obviously Madden cover curse. You can't fault his numbers this year. He's got is it about 1,200 receiving yards at least at the moment, I believe. He's only got three or four touchdowns, but still, he may not have been scoring, but he's been consistently getting that ball down the field. 
and coming well, up with big plays. Yes, I mean, the Manning curse seems to have affected his touchdown column the most this year, but at the same time you have to say that in the last two games especially, Stafford seems to have more found his arm and also found that rapport with him because he was having to find it with people like Pettigrew and Titus Young to try and get a, his touchdowns early in the season. And then just suddenly, I don't know whether defences are becoming a little bit more lax or whether or not he's making an extra effort to become open, but he's managing to find that extra space in the end zone now. Yeah, just quickly on Stafford, before I move on to the next player, did you see his throwing action this week against the Texans? There was a you lot the of sidearm. Side yeah. How many throws were sidearm this week? There I've was, never seen there that There was a few. Before, a lot of it seemed to be when he's he, he's playing out of that pressure. What, rolling out? Rolling out, yes. And tell you what, I was very impressed with um, Brandon Pettigrew for that as well, because he seemed to be always, when Stafford needed him to bail himself out, it always, he always seemed to be there. There's about four or five passes there that literally it should have been a sack, and then literally Pettigrew's just sitting there open, only for about five, six-yard gain, to be fair. But at the same time, that's all you need. It's better than a, a minus five or six-yarder. Absolutely. And just finally, the last player I want to mention, I think has got Pro Bowl written all over him. I wasn't sure what to make at the start of the season because of his injury, because he'd got some bad press, which I know he's been cleared of now. Adrian Peterson. Mm. I can't believe it's taken me this long to mention. 12 weeks in, and this is probably the first time I've given him a good mention. Well, yeah, it's been an up-and-down season. It didn't start off great for him. It was one of those ones where it progressed slowly. But more and more, they've had to rely on him in the ground game because it seems Ponder's struggled more and more. At the beginning of the season, as we saw, they got off to that really great start. And it was kind of surprising Minnesota, after, of course, the very bad year last year. Um, I guess you couldn't really have got much worse, to be honest. But at the same time, it was nice to see that Ponder was making progressions, and now he seems to have gone in reverse, really, which is a bit of a shame, because um, Ponder's struggling majorly for yards. I mean, we saw this, okay, Chicago defense is a very, very good defense, very tough to get yardage out from. Absolutely. But they, it's the whole thing just broke down, and of course they couldn't then establish the run. Once they'd uh, gone down that route, they'd seem to have choked any access towards Peterson, and it made, every time they put Peterson into the running play, made it very predictable, and they shut that down. Mm. So unfortunately, uh, ignoring the week 12 in commitment, but yes, like the week before. Yeah, going into week 12, Peterson, into week I understand, 12. was the leading rusher in the league. Yes, I think he was, yes. Uh, but it was one of those ones where I think yards per carry and stuff like that, he's got a great yards per carry. Uh, he's, he's, the work ethic as well, he's getting a lot of touchdowns, putting a lot of points on the board for Minnesota. Yeah, just seems to be having a, a great year. And as I say, I, I'm, to Mr. Peterson, I'm sorry it's taken this long to mention, but keep up the good work and hopefully we'll see you in Hawaii um, come February. Let's move on now to your offensive impact player yeah player oh yeah absolutely same we're going to go from uh, uh, Pete, Adrian Peterson as our absolutely great. yeah you good old go AP straight, straight, straight into, into the offense, offense I feel, so yeah. okay start off with my second placer for this week so for your Megatron my Megatron which is the offensive impact player player and basically I'm going to start with someone who I was really glad to see them as being a candidate this, this week because normally I just completely skipped over them for the last couple of weeks and that is Mr. Eli Manning Manning. Manning, yes, absolutely. How great was it to see Eli Manning be Eli Manning again rather than his, um, like we said, this twin that seems to come on and pretend to be him and the twin that can't pass or elude a pass rush or even seem to read a defence. The funniest thing about Eli Manning, though, every time he has a good performance in our fantasy league, he's on someone's bench. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know whether Always he way. knows, whether he realises that we're like, well... 
you've not been playing great, so we're going to leave you on the bench, whether it be for Rodgers. That was the ironic thing this week. The guy who had Eli Manning didn't play Manning, played Rodgers. You would have thought every day of the week, Rodgers over Manning, no problem. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I was the same. I picked Randall Cobb over Victor Cruz because of the exact same reason, basing it on the quarterbacks. But anyway... Um, he had such a great game. I mean, it was 249 yards. It was three touchdowns. It was really impressive because it was it was a win they so badly needed. And it was that one that, I mean, New York is the most probably difficult place to play in the in the NFL. And yet, uh, there you go. That's one way to shut up your critics. And I was really happy for that. For that, that really showed an impact and a half because that was literally a slap to half of New York City in one go. Absolutely. Well, congratulations, Eli. And who would you have for number one for your so Megatron? So, my, my number one impact player on the offence this week is going to go to Mr. RG, wait for it, four. That's right, Mr. RG, four, as they're calling him this week, for his awesome performance against the Cowboys. 311 yards and four touchdowns, 29 yards on the ground. RG, three, really came out and showed a lot of maturity, taking on a, a quite clutch inner division rivalry here. And it was on the big stage, it was prime time. You know, the lights, cameras, action is all heading your way. And you know what? The boy met it head on and he did, did himself proud. Come up big in the last two divisional games because last week against the Eagles, again, four touchdowns. Oh, absolutely. And he's got another big game coming up this week with for New York. So let's see if he can continue ride on this, this wave of enthusiasm and see if he can go through. Three division games in a row. Three division games in a trot. Sunshine, welcome to the MC East. Yeah, absolutely. If he comes out on top of that at 3-0 from those three games, then you've got to start taking him seriously for playoff contention. Well, you? that's what it is. You want to get into the playoffs, you win your division. Absolutely. And so hopefully, uh, Mickey, um, you'll appreciate all the comments we've made about RG3 this week, and in particular winning our offensive impact player. Player. There you go. Nice. Let's move swiftly on to our... Defensive impact player. Yes, as we call it, the uh, the Ray Lewis Award. I believe we call it the Mr. Ray Lewis Award. Mr. Ray Lewis, to give him his full proper name. So I'm going to start with my second place. And the second place, this one here, defense has rattled me this week because it was literally, there were some really decent defensive performances really put in there this week. There was a lot around the league. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, there was. So my second place this week, my silver medalist, is kind of weird because this is going to go to... The aforementioned Cleveland Browns defensive unit as a whole. Ah, you're, you're taking the leaf out of my book there. Taking the leaf out of yours. Yeah. I'm going to give it to the whole of them. Why, you say? It's because we're talking eight turnovers in a game. Eight turnovers. I mean, this is crazy. Against the Steelers Against as well. the Steelers. Okay, yes, it's Batch and stuff like that. But it was other people having fumbles. It wasn't just Batch having there a was, bad day. There wasn't there five fumbles? I think the oh, Mendehall have Oh, two. no, no, no. There was five that were recovered. There was seven forced. Wow. Seven times the Steelers put the ball on the ground. Two of them, they managed to scoop back up into their greasy mitts. But five of them, they gave straight back to the Browns. And three interceptions as well, thanks to Batch. So they need to get their terrible towels, take a quick dip in San Diego to get some of that stick them on there. Exactly, because literally <laughs> those balls are just popping out left, right and centre. And you know what? It takes a lot. And there's 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 partly the fact that uh, people having a bad day do heads dip. But also, is it because the defence came out and they fought for the balls? They were getting their hands in there. They were punching them loose. And you know what? I think it was the latter there. And I think that was the uh, Cleveland Browns. In a division game, really showing some muscle and kudos to you guys. Unfortunately, not quite um, the number one because I, I just felt I couldn't give it to them all when I had one person who clearly stood out as my gold medalist this week. So, the most honourable title of Mr. Ray Lewis for the week goes to you, Mr. Steve Gregory. 
New Steve England Gr- Patriot. Really? Oh, Patriot. Well, I suppose with how they manhandled the Jets this week, I think mm. it's difficult not to give it to a Patriot. Well, this guy is 29 years old. He's a strong safety, and he actually plays as he's the second string. But the really? guy, yes, he came in. Um, a couple of injury problems for the Pats. He came in as the starter, and he came in, took up five tackles, an interception, and a forced fumble for a touchdown. Oh, nice. And the guy literally, I mean, when you get on the score sheet as a defense, it's impressive, but it's the fact that this guy's sort of 29 years old. Uh, I was checking it out, and he's, he's, he's gone from a lot of different teams, and it seems he's been one of these guys who's had a bumble around the league, you know, never really getting the full start and getting start because of injury. And you know what? You want to put yourself down to uh, to play starter next week, Sunshine? You keep playing like that and you will. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great performance. So there were some other people, obviously, on that New England defence. I know Devin McCourty had a good mm. game as well yeah, this week. Yeah. Yep, but I'm going to give it to you. So, Mr. Steve Gregory, congratulations. And call yourself Mr. Ray Lewis for the week with pride. Well done, sir. Now, let's move on to the playoff picture. Start with the AFC. We've got our... Four division leaders at the moment: Houston, New England, Denver, and Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Who do you think first is going to be ranked one and two at this stage? One and two at this stage. Yeah. I would have to say, with the current going, it's going to be Houston and then New England. Yeah. So if they're one and two, obviously Baltimore three, Denver four. No, other way around. I say Denver goes three, just because the fact is that I see them winning the rest of the uh, the divisional games, set them in good stead, and. I don't think they're going to have much problem because literally they, they've lost a few games this year but I don't think they really have had much trouble when it comes to they've got a good defence, they've got Peyton Manning controlling that offence, I think they're going to be cushy. Fair play. And what about wild cards? Because wild cards kind of thrown up in the air now. Obviously there's a lot of teams, Bills included, on 4-7. and seven. There's a couple that are around 5-5. Five and five. It's difficult because what you see, cause I really like the Colts. I really like the Colts coming in behind Houston yeah. because you've got, you've got Titans and Jaguars behind you and I think there's another there's another set of games there and the rest of the you know they're taking on the Lions this week and I don't think the Lions are going to I think they can um, upset the Lions to be fair so I don't see Andrew Luck having too much problem in his first season getting to the wild cards whether or not he could progress after that that's a bit different so I think you're right there with the Colts because they do have a really good record now. I think they're seven and four at the moment, aren't they, the Colts? Yeah, I mean it's an unfortunate loss um, this week, but uh, it was no, sorry, it was a win this week. Yeah, the Colts a... had the Bills this week. Yeah, they... the Bills this week. They won this week. It was the week before that they lost, which was unfortunate. But they were just going up against, I think, just a slightly superior offense. But yeah, you saw it this week. Sorry, against the Bills, you saw that they they could uh, they could control the game. It's very controlled. This game was so. So who who would you think then for for the sixth spot then? Sorry, say if so we were to the say si- the sixth spot's very difficult for me because I'm trying to I'm trying to scratch my head now. Do I like someone else popping out of that AFC North? Mm, I don't know because with the Steelers uh, with the Warriors at the moment maybe the Bengals I mean they did pretty much thump Raiders but it is only the Raiders do I like to see someone else coming out of the, the East possibly you know maybe uh, a Dolphin sort of Tannehill turning it around uh, you know managed to get the win over the the Seahawks yeah that puts them in the best position I think out of the other remaining teams in the AFC East they're number two in the division so to be honest I must admit I really, I'm finding it difficult splitting those two at the moment it's going to be a coin toss. Yeah, oh, I don't know. I, it's going to. Have to I'm be... going to make you choose right now, one or the other. Which is it going to be? I think Dolphins will create an upset. You know what? I really like the idea of having the two rookies there. Wow. Okay. So, at the moment, Marcus is thinking for the AFC in the playoffs. We will have Houston, New England, Denver, Baltimore, Colts, and Dolphins. Dolphins number six. Yeah. Some bold choices. I have to say, just quickly on the AFC East. 
I'm going to say it now. Say it in week 12. New England Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl this year. No. You can. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that will disagree with me, but with that offense, with the way that they're now controlling the ball, so they're not having to rely on the defense stepping up as much because Ridley's controlling the clock. They're keeping their defense fresh. They've got Tally now as an extra cornerback. You've got McCourty. We've already said as well. Um, I think they're going to be very, very difficult, especially when it comes to playoff time, because you have to think, if you get the likes of Colts and Dolphins with rookie quarterbacks in the playoffs, not to, yes, you've got Denver with Peyton Manning, but then it's the whole team, obviously, collectively. If they go into somewhere like New England, can you see them can you see them picking up a victory at Foxborough? I'm not sure. The only real challenge for me I see from the AFC East is Houston, but Houston have also shown their vulnerability with the way that Jacksonville tore their secondary apart. Not not to not to mention last uh, this week. The gone. Lions as well with Stafford getting sort of four hundred and forty odd yards. So if you imagine that you have that New England offense in there instead, is Belichick going to let give Texans the chances that the Lions and the Jacksonville Jaguars have? Who knows? I'm not sure. Right. So let's look at the NFC as well. I'm thinking division winners from the NFC. Mm-hmm. I think you're looking at Atlanta from the South, Chicago from the North, mm-hmm. Giants. I think from the East. Mm-hmm. I think Manning will come out on top of RG three. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at San Francisco, obviously from the West. So there's yeah. your, there's your sort of top four. And looking at the records, it's really a toss-up between Chicago and Atlanta for one and two, isn't it? But I'm going to go Chicago one. Okay. Atlanta two, just purely because Atlanta have got the Saints again this week, and I think the Saints may very well turn them over again. I have I uh, see? Did I say Atlanta two? I did, didn't I? Yep. Atlanta two, San Francisco three. Yep. And Giants four. Okay. Purely because San Fran, they're going to have a good record, regardless of which quarterback they start. And there's actually an awesome quote from Harbour I read on uh, NFL.com earlier, and it said that when asked about Alex Smith, he said, Alex Smith is definitely our starting quarterback. When asked about Colin Kaepernick, he said he's definitely not our backup. <laughs> so work that one out if you can. <laughs> it's, it's a great play on words there, isn't it? Absolutely. So... Then that just leaves us with teams five and six. Got who are you thinking for five and six on the NFC? Packers. Packers, yeah, I can't believe I'd miss them. I'd say Packers will have to be number five. I mean, to, to be fair, I think Packers will will catch over Chicago and actually be the number one seed. But in this in this in this um, in this universe that we're, we're running at the moment, uh, the, the the Adri universe, the Adri unit universe, as it were. The Adriel, not quite the NFL. Not quite the NFL. <laughs> so, yeah, so Packers 5. I'd say five. Packers 5, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, Lions 6, maybe another three teams again from the north, or would you see no, something else? No, I don't, actually. I actually see, get this one, Buccaneers. Tampa Bay. I see Buccaneers. I see some wow. good things coming out of uh, out of Tampa. I like the offense. Defense still really, really leaky. So that's why I think they're going to struggle actually, sort of progressing out of it. I mean, you only have to look at the way they lost by a point. Yeah, it was lost by a point. And you know what? I think that was game decision. I think that's on the manager, uh, on the coach there. And I think really that came down to. I mean, fair play, Josh Freeman. When Mike Williams is that open, do not overthrow the man. Okay, literally, you threw it an extra 10 yards above him. Literally. And he's a difficult receiver to overthrow. The, the guy is 6'5", for God's sake. <laughs> you know, literally, he was in all that space. The coverage was blown. Oh, I mean, th- to be honest, I, I honestly, I would have put the, the Atlanta Falcons, to be honest, 
they should be ten and two. They should be eleven, eleven and one in my case. Yeah. They that that should have been a Tampa Bay victory. So therefore, I think Tampa Bay will learn from this, and Tampa Bay will get my sixth spot. Wow. Okay. So who do you see from those six making the Super Bowl? I'd like to. I'd like to. Say, I think um, San Francisco could uh, make the Super Bowl. I think the run which they'll get is that they'll come in as you say. You put them as your number three. Yeah. So of course, first 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 set round in the wild cards, they take on Tampa Bay. Um, beat them, and then they'll come in and they'll take on a lantern. I think they'll beat them in your in the way you've put them down. So, I think that's the way. So it will, it will pan out. So between us, we're looking at a San Francisco, New England Super Bowl in our world. Uh, yeah, it seems to be that's that's the way it's sort of going to progress. I mean, whether or not that is a, the, that is a New England victory, it's hard to tell because again, you can almost go back to last year where. If not for the couple of fumbles, could it have been a, a San Francisco New England? Could we? Could this be what should have been last year? Everyone predicted. Absolutely, and just finally, and um, before we finish up now, because again we're kind of getting shy of time. What you were mentioning there about coaching decisions, I can't partly on the coaches, but also I have to mention this on the referee point of view. The Texans Lions game, there was a moment there that, in the words of Peter Griffin, really grinds my gears. And that is when Justin Forsett had pretty much every part of his body make contact with the ground. The refs didn't blow it dead. Fair play to him because he got up and ran in for the touchdown. Now, in my eyes, if something like that happens on the field of play, it's instinctive to throw a challenge flag because you're just like, what on earth is going on there? So for the NFL to have this, I'm going to go ahead and just blatantly call it a stupid ruling that... If you throw a challenge flag on an automatically reviewable play, that it then becomes non-reviewable. Well, I'm sorry, you have that play as reviewable because of the impact it has on the game. So regardless of what the coach does, that play should always be reviewed regardless. I mean, I appreciate they brought it in because it's to do with unsportsmanlike conduct, but a bit of common sense there. It's like everyone's always saying Premier League referees need to show a little bit of common sense when they're refing the games. In a situation like that, if common sense applies, if you had a Premier League referee, for example, then they wouldn't have given them him that penalty. They would have just picked up his flag and said, you don't have to worry, mate, it's automatically reviewable. We know you're not trying to waste time or annoy anyone or anything unsporting. It was a despair at the moment. Here's your flag back, let's review it and we'll see what happens. No, I think it's correct call. Really? Yep. Do you know why I think it's correct call? Because that is the equivalent of a, ch- uh, of a coach pulling a full start. Literally, you got to know where you are in the game. you got to know what's going on. You should be able to take everything in. This is just my personal opinion, and I'm sure people are going to go crazy now in the in the comments box now because one of us will be for Team Adri and one of us will be for Team Marcus. Um, but I honestly feel that when you're, you're, you're when you're supposed to be there coaching, managing the game, you're supposed to have your head in the thing, you're supposed to sit and go, right, guys, that's fine. They call it a scoring play. That's automatically going to be refuted. That's literally like the same thing is that uh, a full start is punished by a five-yard penalty, literally, you're sitting there going, well, if you're not going to be paying attention, we're going to take away your right to have a review. So in my my in my review, that's a that's a penalty um, for the coach pulling a full start there, not thinking about where he is in the game and what he's got to do, and literally, like they say, just sit back, let the refs do their job, and let the system run. So you'd rather a blatant non-scoring play be allowed for a touchdown? In this case, it's almost it's almost a sense of let live and let learn from that because the fact is now you're going to sit there and go, you know, like the guy turned around, 
and he sat there, you saw on the replay, the second he threw it, he turns around, points to his chest and goes, that's all on me guys, and it is, because literally, you should know where you are in the situation, understand, they've sat there, and they've called touchdown, so you can sit there and go, well, they're going to review that. But, the other thing for me is, they've only been under this system for, I know it's the second year now, but up until that point, they'd got into a point where they were used to challenging anything that was a dodgy call. For the last five, six years now, is it at least... They've had that challenge system in place. Now, we were saying earlier, London Fletcher has done something instinctively because he's got used to the way he's playing, he's got used to the way he seems receivers running, knows where his coverage is. Instinctively, he makes that hit. Yeah. In the same way, my argument is instinctively Schwartz throws that flag. Yeah, and unfortunately, in the same way as that London Fletcher makes that hit, one day that hit will be illegal because they're going to keep changing the rules and they're going to keep what they call... <clears throat> uh, you can't see the air quotes I'm pulling here progressing the game literally it's got to be that you've got to keep up to date the same way as players now know you know if you're going to be pulling your head down there was um, a player got called on helmet to helmet I believe it was the safety I can't remember his name L, L Thomas is it for the Seahawks came in on Ryan Tannehill he went up for the jump Left both feet. Oh up. yeah, I saw this. Cool. He went. Yeah. He went up for the jump because then literally what he's going to do is he's going to try and stop catch the ball or swat it in midair. And as he and fell down. as he's falling down, he has no choice but to land the positioning of his body through trajectory. He's going to make contact with Ryan Tannehill. But of course, as what comes up, you're going to hit his head first and then before you hit the ground. So literally, you have to call it helmet helmet or a helmet contact play. On a, on a QB because literally the guy has hit his helmet but literally it's unavoidable unless he wants to somehow change the laws of physics and actually move himself around through that property of space and mass but we're not sure that he's going to be able to do that so instead they have to call under the context of the basically black and white rules OK well we'll leave the refereeing discussion up to yourselves to carry on in our absence finally we just want to quickly finish off Harry would be really mad if we didn't do our swings of the week. So, uh, what have you got for us there, buddy? Well, my swing of the week, which I'm going to love um, really winding up people, because we've spoken about um, about the Patriots making it to the Super Bowl. And do you want to have a, a Super Bowl upset in this week then? I see Dolphins taking a win on the Pats. And actually in Miami as well, is it? In Miami, baby. Yeah, I see the Miami, um, for what they did, you know, closing down that run defence, I think they can make Tom Brady very one-dimensional. I think um, Ridley and Farina are going to have a tough time running on uh, on the Miami defence, and I think they're going to make it so that they're going to have to throw. And then literally from there, you've got Richie Bush, uh, Tannehill, if he can keep his head attached, you know, best. There was, the, there was the great use of a, I can't remember, they had number 45, they had the tight end, who's literally finding those holes in the zone and just abusing it all the time. So you know what, it's going to be really probably a, quite a dull, say, 17-14 game Yeah. in favour of, of of the Dolphins. So in this case, I'm only going to go for a 55-45 swing. But that is going to be my upset and swing all rolled into one. Have it, like it, chocolate cake and eat it. Swing of the week. Well, nice. And following suit there with a upset slash swing of the week, I'm going for Kansas City over Carolina because of the way that the Kansas City defence managed to contain Peyton Manning it's also an arrowhead as well and Kansas City seems to like playing at home even though they are possibly the worst side in football well, at the moment well, think barring Carolina perhaps so I think you're going to look at Kansas City they're going to run the ball a lot you're going to see a lot of Jamal Charles you're going to see a lot of drones I think they're going to carry them through 
and Cam Newton's going to be on the receiving end of two or three interceptions, I feel, this week. Absolutely. You've got to remember, Arrowhead is a very difficult place to come because, of course, think of the Green Bay Packers, that undefeated season. They came in, they walked into Arrowhead, they came out with a loss. Absolutely, and I think Kansas City 60-40 for me in that game. Mm. So that's it from us this week. I hope you've enjoyed. And uh, Marcus, as always, it's been a pleasure and look forward to speaking to you again next week. See you guys. Take care.